that, take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and go over the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. And if you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God, 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. I've entitled the message this morning, The House God Blesses. And you know, there's a difference between a house and a home. And our church is God's house. This isn't Pastor Keeley's church. This is the Lord's house. And it's marvelous in his eyes. I'm glad to be a part of the church of the living God. And this morning we look at a portion of scripture that I believe depicts what our special day is all about today, this matter of an open house. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, as you look there this morning, in verse number one, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for this house. Thank you that your son Jesus did not come and give his life to die for a building. Jesus did not die for a church building. He died for the church. He died for people. And Lord, I'm thankful that we are a part of the church of the living God. And I pray today that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to receive the message from your word. Lord, thank you for what you did in Solomon's day. And Lord, we ask during this hour that fire from you would come down, that your glory would fill this place. And Lord, we, we thank you for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 127, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I, I heard an account of a man that was <clears throat> marooned on a de desolate island, and after he had been there for five years, this, they finally found this man, and they rescued him. And when they came to rescue him, he climbs into the rescue boat, and those that were rescuing him, they were kind of curious because they looked over at this desolate island that he spent five years of his life on. And they saw on that island three huts. And they asked the man about it, about what those huts were. And that the man replied, well, you see that one right there? He says that first one, he said, that was my home. For five years, I lived in that home right there. That was my house. And he said, the second one next to it, that was my church. And they said, okay, that was your home, that was your church. 
But what about the third one? And he says, well, that's the church I used to attend. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of people that used to attend the house of God. But in our passage today, we see a prayer and a plea from Solomon in the Old Testament encouraging us to choose the house that God blesses. How many of you want to be where God is blessing, right? And I want to have the kind of house, and by the way, I want to be, the, I want to be a part of the kind of church that God is choosing to bless. And that's what you see this morning in today's text. It's a very special scene in the history of the nation of Israel. The people of God are standing there before the temple of God, this newly dedicated, magnificent building, and they have gathered before the Lord, and they're seeking God's blessing, not only on that place, that house, but that God would pour out His Spirit, the power of God, the blessings of God upon their lives. Solomon begins to pray, and he asks the Lord to bless those that would honor the house of God. You think about how the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. And listen, even as the day is approaching, we have no idea when the Lord is going to come back, but I commend you this morning for being here, for honoring the Lord this morning. I know this, you didn't come for me. I hope you came for the Lord. I hope you came this morning to meet the Lord. And if you come with the desire in your heart to meet with God, then God will meet with you. And I pray that through this meeting, this encounter with the Lord, that you will understand that God today is still looking for a house to bless. This wasn't just something for Solomon's day. There is a kind of house that God wants to bless. And In Solomon's prayer, there are three great characteristics about this house, the house of the Lord, that we need to discover today, the house God blesses. And notice, first of all, the house God blesses is a people place. Now, can you imagine what church would be like without people? There's a lot of churches today that open their doors but no one came in. It's sad how church houses are empty today. People don't want to go to church. I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you're here. But I'll tell you, it's a special place. You know what makes church special? People. And when I see people come into the church, I see people from all different walks of life, I see people with major things going on in their lives. And notice what kind of place that the church is. is It's a place for those that wander. Look back in chapter 6, right before we read this morning. In 2 Chronicles 6, look at verse number 32. The Bible says here in verse 32, Moreover, concerning the stranger which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake and thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm 
If they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from heaven, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. Now he's describing a place that people who are strangers that have wandered in, and you may be here today as a visitor, but he's describing people who are not even a part of God's covenant with Israel, how that they too are welcome in the house of God, that they can come and call upon the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus came to redeem all that were lost. Now think about that for a minute. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, look at it. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. In other words, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Psalm 14, all have gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And you know what makes the church house special? Is it is a place where even the stranger who is seeking God can come and find God. I love the fact that the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, who was God in the flesh, that he was a man, according to the word of God, that receiveth sinners. He was criticized for that. But like Jesus, we need to receive all people. God's house needs to be a place for even those that wander in to the doors of that church. God will bless the church that opens the door to the stranger. But notice, it's not only a place for those that wander, but it's a place for those that war. Go back to chapter 6, look at verse 34. The Bible says, If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way, that thou should send them, and they pray unto thee towards this city, which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. Now notice that, it, you know, you study the scriptures, here's what you find is, in the Old Testament times that the temple was a place where the army would come before they went out to war. It was a place where they would come because they knew of the conflict that was going to happen in the days ahead. I think about your life and mine. None of us know what's going to happen this week. None of us know what we're going to face. None of us know what life is going to throw at us. And if there's one way to start your week off right, it's to come to the house of God and spend time with the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 32, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there, is, there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now you think about that, how these people understood these soldiers, how important it was to find help, to get strength and power. Well, where does that come from? It comes from the Lord. 
You see, the church is a place where battle-scarred and weary can come. And they can find refreshment for their souls. And they can get equipped for the next battle. They can hear a word, if I can use the phrase, from their commander-in-chief. You see, listen, I don't look to the White House today. I look toward heaven. And I need God's help every day of my life. And that is why the church is a place that God chooses to bless. It's a place for those that wander. It's a place for those that war. Notice, it is a place for those that are wayward. Those that are wayward. The Bible says in verse 36, look at it. It says, If they sin against thee, notice in parentheses, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives into a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. And if they return to thee with all their heart, with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captives, and pray towards their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. You know, the scriptures are wonderful. I think about how many times in my own life, and I think it's highly possible, although you may not want to think about it this way, but I think it is highly possible that all of us in our lives at one time or another are going to find ourselves away from God. And many times the devil will try to convince us, well, you have blown it now. You can never live for God. You might as well just forget it. God doesn't love you anymore. But I'm glad that I can come back to the house of God even if I've been away from God, and I can get back together and rekindle that relationship that I once had with the Lord. The church is a wonderful place because it's a place for the wayward. And Solomon here, he's asking God to incline his ear, his prayer, for those that would repent. The church needs to be a place where, if I could use the phrase, the prodigal Christian can come and unburden his soul before the Lord and do it in humble repentance. You remember the story about the son who took what was his father's and he left and the Bible says he went out and he wasted it on riotous living. Took everything. Found himself eating with the hogs. And he came to himself, we just read in this passage, the Bible used the word to bethink yourself. If you read in that passage in Luke, the Bible says he came to himself. He realized how ridiculous for me to be out here living this way 
when my father owns everything. And he returned. The Bible says, the son said when he got back, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But aren't you glad that when he confessed, he repented, the father was there with open arms? The father loved him back. The matter of fact, the father had a celebration because he said, this my son that was lost is now found. And I'm glad that the church should be a place where somebody that gets away from God can come back to the Lord, can come back to that relationship. It needs to be a place where those that have strayed are welcome. God will bless that kind of church. But notice letter D, the church is a place for those that worship. Look in verse 40. Solomon continues his prayer, and he says, Now, my God, let, I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness, O Lord God. Turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. You see, before Solomon finishes this prayer to God in the house of God, he takes a moment to lift his voice in exaltation, and he begins to praise God. He worships God, and the church needs to be a place where people can be drawn into where they can get away from the daily cares of this world and they can find themselves at the feet of Jesus. Remember the story about the two sisters, Mary and Martha? How they were preparing the house. Martha was one that was given to every little detail. She was trying to make sure everything was just right. And by the way, I'm glad for Martha's. She got a little upset at her sister Mary. Because she thought, why am I doing all this work? Why isn't Mary helping me? And Jesus said, she's doing that which is needful. You know what Mary was doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm so glad that God has given us a place where you can get away from the cares of life and you can come into the house of God and you could sit at the feet of Jesus. You can listen to him. You can learn what he has to say. You can hear his word. You see, church should be a place where the presence of God is felt and it's enjoyed and it's cherished. I love church. I love to come to this place. And when we come, we come to worship him. The Bible says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. You see, the house of God that He blesses, you know what I love about it? It's a, it's a people place. But when we come, we encounter God. And because God is here, secondly, it's a powerful place. It's a powerful place. It's a place where God comes. Look in verse 1 of chapter 7. Solomon made an end to praying. Now watch this. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering 
and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. You know what Solomon's describing here? He's describing miraculous power. I mean, the man just finished praying. Hey, listen, that's the kind of prayer life that all of us should ask God to give to us. That as we finish praying, we see God's fire come down. It consumed the sacrifice. By the way, this wasn't the first and wasn't the last time we see this recorded in the Word of God. There was a day in the life of the prophet Elijah up on Mount Carmel where there was a standoff between the prophets of Baal and God's prophet. 450 to 1. But you know what Elijah had that the prophets of Baal did not? He had the God of heaven. And Elijah prayed one prayer, and the fire of God fell. And the Bible says it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Hey, listen, folks. I mean, I'm talking about God's miraculous power. And when a church is found doing that which pleases the Lord, God will manifest himself in a miraculous way, in a supernatural way, with his power among his people. The Bible says, Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. When his church is doing what God wants it to do, God will bless it and God's power will be seen. That miraculous power. But notice, it was also manifested power. The Bible says in verse number one that the fire came down and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And watch this. The glory of the Lord filled the house. Now you think about this. Solomon built this magnificent temple for God. And we look, we built this building about 20 years ago to the glory of God. But when we built it, it was empty. And you know what? As I look around this morning, you know what God's doing? God's filling it. God is filling his house. God is giving us an opportunity to see God's glory being manifested right here in our presence. The glory of the Lord filled the house. The Lord moved in. Hey, listen, when you buy a house or if you get an opportunity to buy a house, you ought to say, listen, God, we want you to move into this place. Recently, the Lord blessed my wife and I. We never thought we'd own a house here in South Florida. It's just an expensive place to live. And God, in His providence, blessed us and gave us a place. My wife and I, we both said, this is the Lord's house. We want God to bless that house. We want God to use that house. And every time I pull onto this property, this morning as I walked across the parking lot, I thought, I want God to be glorified, God to be honored in this place. And that's exactly what Solomon thought. Solomon thought all that construction, all that magnificent beauty, but it's nothing unless God shows up. It's nothing unless God moves in. And we see here the manifestation of God's power. And when the Lord moved in, he filled the place, much like Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah 6. Look at it. 
in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. You see, God will manifest his presence and his power among his people because God is looking for people that he can bless, that he can work. And can I tell you, God doesn't do what he does in a corner. You think about the life of Jesus, the Son of God. He came from heaven to this earth to give his life for us. And look what the Bible says about him in Acts 2. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. You see, God works where others can see, and, and, and through that, God wants to get the glory out of our lives. Look at Isaiah 43. Even everyone that is called by my name, God says, I have created him for my glory. You ever wonder why you're here? That God can get the glory out of your life. That through you, God would be honored and glorified. God, when God shows up, he will manifest his power. But notice, he's also describing, thirdly, a matchless power. Because when the Lord does show up, look what it says in verse number 2. The priest could not even enter in to the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. You see, these priests... They might have had on holy garments, those that were dedicated for the service of God, but they could not even go into the temple of God. And when God moves into a church, he will do it in a matchless way. He will demonstrate his power through his people to the lost. That word matchless, look at it. Here's how somebody defined it, having no equal. You see, God has a way of doing things that leaves men shaking their heads in amazement. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Have you ever thought about that, why God is so long-suffering with you? Why God puts up with you? Why God allows you to still be here? Because God's power is matchless. God doesn't do things the way we would do things. God does things better. His ways are higher than ours. You see, when a church is under the power of God, it has the Lord's approval, and there is no force under heaven that can stand against God's church. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He said, Thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Even hell itself trembles before a church 
that is filled with the power and the glory of God. See, sinners come to church and they might feel uncomfortable. You know why? Because of the presence and the power of Almighty God. We should strive to be that kind of church where God's power is evident, where God is welcome, and we want God to fill this place. You see, I find that the house God blesses, it's a people place. I find the house God blesses, it's a powerful place. But I also see that the house God blesses is a praising place. You see, folks, I think about how that when we come, just like uh, Solomon is describing here, he's talking about an awe of wonder. The Lord demonstrated his power by responding to the power of God. What did the people do? The Bible records that they bowed before him in wonder. God's house needs to be a place where we can praise him. Folks, we don't need to praise man. We need to lift up the Lord. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We need to see the Lord for who he is. And when we become lost in the wonder of God, there will come a praise that we cannot stop, but it has to be expressed. The Bible says, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. The Bible says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to to God continually. The awe. Listen, folks, can you imagine what it would have been like that day for Solomon and those people to stand there And to see this empty house be filled with the glory of God. The awe of wonder. But notice there was an attitude of worship. They fell down in humble adoration. They began to worship God. The Bible says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And sometimes we find it hard. We come to church. We've got things going on in our lives. We've got things on our minds. Folks, can I tell you this morning... Set those cares aside. Focus on Him. Focus on why you came this morning. There needs to be an attitude of worship. Worship is rendering to God the glory that is due to Him. It's ascribing worth to God. That's what worship is. Look what Jesus said, because God hasn't changed even in our day from the days of Solomon. God is still looking for people to worship Him. And look what Jesus said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is looking for a people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, God is a God who is worthy of our worship. The awe I see of wonder, I see the attitude of worship, but notice in verse number three of chapter seven, and when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, and notice, saying, he is what? He is good. For the mercy of the Lord endureth how long? Forever. You see, I see here an acclamation of words. These people began to lift their voices. Hey, you know what? It's okay in church to say amen. That's a Bible word. It means we agree. 
Listen, it's a place where we can worship God, we can praise God, and they did it vocally. The Bible says, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be what? Praised. God will bless a church that is not ashamed to praise the name of the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You see, everybody needs to be a part of a good church. But I don't want to just be a part of a church. I want to be a part of a church, a house that God is blessing. For a lot of people, church, you know what it is? It's dead. It's dull. But see, when our hearts are filled with the Lord and the glory of the, God, of the Lord is there, church is anything but dull and dead. The house God blesses is a church family who cares about the Lord, who cares about each other, but who cares about the lost. I think about how many times we think about people that don't care. I read it a true account, and I think it hit, hits home. Living here in South Florida, about a, uh, on a hot summer day, there was a little boy in South Florida. He decided to go for a swim in the old swimming hole behind his house. He fell into the water. He began to swim, not realizing that while he was swimming, that straight towards him in the middle of the lake, there was an alligator. His mother was in the house. She could see the swimming hole from her window. As she was watching her son in utter fear, she saw an alligator moving towards him. In utter fear, she ran toward the water, yelling to her son as loudly as she could. He finally heard her voice. The little boy began to be alarmed, and he made a U-turn from that swimming hole, began to swim towards his mother. But it was too late. Just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. From the dock behind their house, the mother grabbed her little boy by the arms, just as the alligator snatched his legs. Then began an incredible tug of war between the mother and the alligator. The alligator was much stronger than the mother, but the mother was much too passionate to let go. A farmer happened to be driving by, and he heard the screams of the mother. And he raised from his truck, he took aim, and with his shotgun, he shot that alligator dead. Remarkably, after weeks and weeks in the hospital, the little boy survived. His legs were incredibly scarred from the vicious attack of the animal. On his arms were deep scratches where his mother's fingernails dug into his flesh in her effort to hang on to the son that she loved. The newspaper, the local paper, sent a reporter to the house. They interviewed the boy after the trauma had taken place, and they asked him to show him the scars that he had from the incident. The little boy lifted up his pant legs, and he showed the, the scars from that alligator, but then with obvious pride, he said to the reporter, but look at my arms. I have great scars on my arms too. I have them because my mom 
wouldn't let me go. See, instead of getting mad at those who try to help us to do right and pull against the world, the flesh, and the devil, we should be thankful. We should be thankful for those that love us enough to not let us go. And that's exactly what a church is. It's a place where people love God and they love others. Why? Because Jesus loved us according to the word of God, who were all sinners. Christ died for us. Would you bow your heads this morning with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to thank you again for being here and for listening so well. But I want you to stop and think right now. Because according to the word of God, the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking like that alligator whom he may devour. And the devil is doing everything he can right now to keep some of you from trusting in Christ as your Savior. You're here this morning, and you're living in this world, but if this was your last day, you're not 100% sure that heaven would be your home. Because there hasn't been a time in your life that you've asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your heart and to be your Savior. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And according to the Word of God and Solomon's prayer, there's none that do good. But Jesus loved you enough that He gave Himself for you. And right now, I can get a picture in my mind that God is trying to pull you towards himself. But the devil's trying to keep you in this world. He doesn't want you to be saved. You're here this morning and it's no accident that you came to God's house. You came to the house God blesses. And God this morning has the power to save you. He will not let you go. I wonder this morning, no one's looking around, every every head's bowed, every eye's closed. But how many of you would be honest with God this morning and say, Lord, I have never had a time in my life that I've accepted you as my Savior. I've been living my life Lord, this morning I realize that I need you. I want to spend all of eternity with you in heaven. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you about that, would you slip your hand up as a testimony? Slip your hand up and say, God is speaking to me this morning. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, but today I realize I need the Lord. Anybody this morning... Would you slip your hand up? You can put it up and put it right back down. Anybody at all this morning that would acknowledge, I'm not saved. I don't have the Lord in my life, but I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven someday. Would you slip your hand up and you can put it right back down? How about you this morning, Christian? In your life, has there been a time 
you've trusted him, but has there been a time that you've wandered? Is there a time where maybe you've gotten away from God and the Lord's trying to bring you back to himself? Maybe like that prodigal, you've realized, God, I haven't been as close to you as I need to be. Some of you are visiting today. We're glad you're here. But we're here worshiping the Lord every week. God wants to meet with you every week, every day of the week. How many of you would say this morning, God's been speaking to me this morning. I need to spend more time with the Lord. Would you slip your hand up this morning? God sees those hands. You can put them down. Lord, thank you for this this opportunity to be in your house, a house that you have chosen to bless. I bless this simple invitation this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? If you are a member of this church or you are a visitor this morning, somebody brought you or you came by yourself, we call this an invitation. And God is inviting you today to come spend some time to get on your face with the Lord. Why don't you step out this morning and bring your burdens to the Lord? It's called an altar, a place that you can come and lay your burdens down. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, God is speaking to husbands and wives and fathers, mothers, teenagers. We need to have a home that God will bless. You need to find a church, a house that God is blessing. This morning, God is looking for people that he can bless. Whatever the need is in your life today, if you need to be saved, why don't you step out this morning? Don't let that alligator pull you in. Why don't you give in to God? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His mercy endureth forever. Why don't you come this morning during this invitation time? God wants to bless your life. Why don't you come maybe as a family and say, Lord, I want your blessings on my life. As a piano plays, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking to hearts. Pray that you'd bless the remainder of this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in a house that you've chosen to bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.